Welcome to the King's Church Amersham podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Thanks, Hannah. I'm going to welcome Emma now to come and share from God's word to us. And um, Emma, it's just really great that you've given your time this morning to come and share with us. Emma works for Open Doors, and I'm sure she'll explain a little bit more about what she does and the ministry she's involved with. But as she comes now, let's just let's pray for her, shall we? If you'd like, you can reach out an arm just to show her a little bit of encouragement. You're with her this morning. You're for her this morning. Father, we thank you for this lady. We thank you for the call on her life. And Father, we thank you for the, the, the fruit of you at work in her life. And Lord, we would just ask your blessing, your grace upon her now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for the welcome. Um, I'm going to watch a video, actually. Um, so if you forget anything you might actually, that I share, you might actually remember what is in this video. It's just like a three-minute video that's going to share with you a bit of the story of Open Doors, the reality of the cost of following Jesus. Tim shared there, I think, didn't he, about the cost of following Jesus. Well, the reality today is that there are 340 million Christians around the world that pay a massive price for choosing to follow Jesus. They share our faith, but not our freedom. And just maybe as you are in the building and those of you watching from home, just a couple of questions to think through as we watch this video and then come into the talk today, is that if you knew that, that going to church was illegal, would you, would you have chosen to come today? Would you choose to watch online knowing that there was the cost of worshipping? If you knew that actually you could only ever worship in silence or whispers, would you still do it? Would you still show up? If that was the reality permanently, if you knew that following Jesus could cost you your job, cost you your family, cost you your freedom and even your life, would you still choose to follow Jesus? For millions of Christians, worship comes at a high price. So let's watch this video and then we'll crack on. Thanks. Thanks. What if your church had to meet in secret? What if spies watched your every move? What if following Jesus meant you faced violence or even death? Millions of Christians around the world experience these kinds of challenges every day. And these are the top 10 countries where faith costs the most. Number 10, India. Hindu extremists want to rid India of Christians and they are prepared to use extreme violence to achieve their goal. At number nine, Nigeria, where more Christians are murdered for their faith than in any other country in the world. Iran is at number eight. Secret house churches risk being raided by the police. If caught, be prepared for a long prison sentence. Number seven, Yemen, a war-torn country where Christians, if discovered, face the death penalty. Eritrea is at number six. If your faith is discovered, you can be imprisoned without trial in appalling conditions. Often, your loved ones don't even know if you're still alive. Number five, Pakistan. Say the wrong thing in Pakistan, and the notorious blasphemy laws could see you accused of insulting Islam and sentenced to death. At number four is Libya. 
a lawless land with no freedom of speech or belief. Somalia is number three on the list. Somali Christians can't reveal their faith to anyone or they could be killed, even by their own families. Number two is Afghanistan. If they find out you're a Christian, you have a stark choice. Flee the country or be killed. And at number one, North Korea, the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. Informants are everywhere. Discovery means death, either by execution or by being worked to death in a labor camp. At least 340 million Christians around the world experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. What if you could help them? For 65 years, Open Doors has stood alongside the persecuted church, strengthening Christians who dare to follow Jesus, no matter the cost. Your prayers and gifts enable our underground networks to reach millions of Christians with emergency food and aid, spiritual care, smuggled Bibles and Christian books, training and legal advice. But more than that, your support means that persecuted Christians know that they are not forgotten, not alone. After all, these are not strangers and they are not statistics. They are our brothers and sisters and they need our help. guys. I love that line then. I hope it might stick with you. These aren't statistics, nor are they strangers. They're family, brothers and sisters who need our help. And now I've been chatting with Jane this morning. And what a privilege to chat with Jane. What a legend. And uh, Jane is someone who has a massive heart for the persecuted church. And so maybe some of you here in the building and watching online, you know all about the persecuted church. And I want to thank you for that. Thank you, Jane, for your prayers and your support. And so this morning, hopefully, just a, a reminder of, of, of just how important it is to stand alongside family around the world, part of the global church who share our faith, but not our freedom. But maybe for some of you, this is like the first time you're connecting, you're, you're hearing a bit more about the persecuted church and the work of Open Doors. Well, I hope this morning is, today is a really good challenge and inspiration and a, and a gentle Gentle provocation, if you like, to stand alongside those who love Jesus and are persecuted, are part of our global family. So you know this morning that there are 340 million Christians facing high extreme levels of persecution for their faith. Put another way, that's one in eight Christians globally who are persecuted. I like to sort of flip that because if you love Jesus here today, you are firmly part of that statistic. We're the other seven. We're the other seven. We are involved. This is our family that we're talking about. I'd love to share one story with you. Sometimes when you hear statistics that are so huge, 340 million, it's quite hard to compute, isn't it? So I'm going to share one story with you of a Christian who's paid a high price for worshipping Jesus. I'd love to tell you about Panina. Panina is from Kenya. And uh, she went to the market one day, leaving her phone at home, not expecting any calls. It's kind of what she did every day, go to the market. But when she got home, everything changed. She saw that her phone had a series of missed calls, and she soon discovered that something had happened to her husband, Paul. Her husband, Paul, was on his way back, traveling from the Somali border in a lorry. And the lorry that he was in was stopped by Al-Shabaab militants, 
they lined everyone up, they got everyone out of the lorry, everyone was lined up along the lorry, and they, they forced everyone to recite something called the Shaddah, an Islamic creed. And Paul said he, he didn't know it, and he wouldn't deny his faith in Jesus. He bravely said, if you want to kill me, I'll remain in Jesus. If you let me go, I'll still remain in Jesus. And with that, the attackers shot him dead. Shot him dead. This happened just a couple of years ago. Penina is now 26, bringing up her little son Steve on her own. In the aftermath of her husband's murder, she was left alone. Her in-laws abandoned her. Life just hit rock bottom for Penina, as you can imagine. Through a friend, Penina was introduced, though, to Open Doors, an Open Doors partner, and she was invited for trauma training. She was also able to attend dressmaking courses and tailoring courses and computer studies. She also attended something that Open Doors run the world over, standing strong for the storm persecution survival training. And this is what she says. I recovered my faith as I began to talk with professional people who helped me deal with my trauma. I began to recover my faith. I love that. Today, I'd like to suggest to you here in the building and online that actually connecting with the persecuted church, connecting with the persecuted church of the Bible, we've heard Paul's words this morning, connecting with, with Paul, with persecuted Christians like Panina, is going to really help us in our own walk with Jesus, help us navigate hard times. I've learned over the years, I've, I've worked for Open Doors for 20 years. I find it quite hard to believe. Time just passes by so quickly, doesn't it? But I've learned over the years that the persecuted church are so well-placed to help mentor, to act as guides, to help navigate me and you, to follow Jesus in hard times, to follow Jesus in cultural moments like we're in right now. Because, you know, their testimony, their faith lessons, they help us to not lose heart. They help us to develop resilience, to persevere, to stay the course, to keep going no matter what happens in life, whatever the circumstances that might unfold for us. So at the end of my talk, I'm going to give you the opportunity to stay connected with the persecuted church through open doors. Because I can really tell you this, their stories encourage courage in me. Just go chat to Jane. She'll tell you loads of stories. She knows more about it than I do, I think. But go and connect. And I'd love to tell you how you can do that at the end. So hold that thought there. And also, really importantly, our connection with persecuted Christians like Panina means that they know they're not alone, that they're not forgotten, that they have family who stand alongside. And that is vitally important if you're a persecuted Christian when everything else is taken away from you. We read a great passage of scripture. I have to say it's one of my favorites. And I'd really encourage you, if you've got a Bible, open it or go read it later and learn maybe some of those verses. Highly recommend learning verses eight and nine. Great go-to verses when you need to pick me up, when you need a bit of encouragement. You know, there must have been times when Paul felt like he couldn't go on. There were definitely times when Panina felt she had just hit rock bottom and life was just crumpling around her. And maybe you feel the same. You are fed up of COVID. You are so done with lockdown. Thankfully, we're nearly, we're nearly there. There's light at the end of the tunnel. But maybe there are circumstances presently where you just feel like you are in the heat of the fire. You're in the midst of the storm. The storm is raging and you're at the end of your rope. And you're just like asking, God, where are you? Where are you, God? How long, God? Why me, God? 
How is it possible that Christians like Panina choose to keep going, to persevere, to stay the course through suffering, blow after blow, hit after hit? And how is it possible, possible for Paul to endure such hardship and suffering, the worst that life could throw at him, and make any sense of it? And maybe that's how some of you feel today. You, you're just in that season where you're just asking, how can I cope? How can I keep going? And I've got three reasons for hope for us in challenging hard seasons. When suffering comes, when we're in the heat of the fire, when the storm is raging, three reasons for hope. Suffering is a bit of a theme in 2 Corinthians. If you read widely in that book, you'll see that. You'll get a sense of that. But, but to be honest, suffering is a repeated theme throughout the whole of the New Testament, isn't it? Let's, be, let's, let's think for a moment. The New Testament was written by persecuted Christians, writing to fellow persecuted Christians. They got what it was to live with suffering and hardship. So the first reason for hope is this. We get knocked down but not knocked out. We get knocked down, but not knocked out. Let's look at the passage. Look at verses 8 and 9, if you've got them open there. And for me, those kind of uh, verses, the words there, conjure up this image of a boxing match. Like punch after punch is being thrown at Paul. He, he... He's knocked down, but he's not knocked out. Life on earth can be brutal sometimes, can't it? it? It is really hard. We can't sugarcoat it. Do you know what Jesus didn't? In John 16, 33, Jesus said these words, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. What a great bit of scripture. Take heart, I've overcome the world. You know, Paul didn't sugarcoat it either. He'd spent a lifetime, decades of suffering daily for Christ. It must have taken its toll on him emotionally, physically, mentally. It must have been overwhelming at times. You know what? He doesn't glaze over, airbrush, or downplay his suffering, nor yours either. The language in 2 Corinthians 4 in this passage make that really plain. The words there are feeling words, aren't they? Aren't they? They, kind of, they kind of show that actually this cut really deep for Paul. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not, not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Perhaps these are words and emotions that all of us to varying degrees can resonate with right now. The message from Paul in this passage and elsewhere in the New Testament, and the message from the likes of Penina around the world who suffer presently for following Jesus, is this. Hold on, and I'd like to suggest you need to hold on to the butt knots with everything that you've got. Hold on to the butt knots with everything you've got. They're repeated there four times in those two verses, verses eight and nine, but not crushed, but not despairing, but not abandoned, but not destroyed. Hold on to the butt knots right now. If you look earlier on in the passage, in verse six, Paul writes that the light of Jesus lives in us, dwells in us, makes his home in our being, in our hearts, if we're Christians, if we're followers of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? In this jar of clay, as verse 7 goes on to talk about, in our weakness, in our fragility, in our orderliness, in our brokenness, in our suffering, in the hardship that we're going to face, Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. You know, in life, we're going to be flawed time and time again. But it's possible as a follower of Jesus to be knocked down, but not knocked down. 
knocked out, knocked down, but not knocked, knocked down, knocked out, sorry. There we go. It's a, t- it's a bit of a tongue twister, that one, isn't it? We're going to be pushed to the limits. But somehow, because of the truth, the mystery that Jesus is, God in us, with us, and around us, there's supernatural ability, capacity on offer to keep going, to, to endure. And I love that. As Christians, we never suffer alone. In many countries on the Open Doors World Watch List, we produce every year uh, a list called the World Watch List, which, which tracks the 50 most costly places to be a Christian. And in, in nearly many of those 50 countries, Christians have to worship Jesus in secret. In many places right now, there'll be Christians gathering in houses and apartments, meeting in secret. They might meet on mountainsides. They might meet in the jungles and forests. They might even dare to meet in prison camps in North Korea. Many places they will disguise their meetings, their gatherings as picnics or simple meals. Or baptisms will, will be looking like pool parties. But wherever they meet, wherever they meet, Jesus is with them. Jesus is right there. This was Hey Wu's experience. She's a little lady with a giant heart for Jesus from North Korea. She uh, was over in this country a few years ago, and I had the privilege of hanging out with her and learn her story. Like This little diminutive lady did a bit of secret church planting in a North Korean prison camp in the most dangerous country on earth, in one of the most dangerous parts of that country, she dared to start a secret church that met in the prison camp toilets. And it's sobering to think this, that there are something like 70,000 Christians in prison for their faith in North Korea today. That's like the equivalent of a packed Old Trafford. They're in prison simply because they follow Jesus. These prison camps are described as living mass graves. That's the reality, the cost of following Jesus today. And Heiwu said this, In prison, I saw the worst of humanity, but I saw the best of Jesus. In prison, I saw the worst of humanity, but I saw the best of Jesus. Hey, Wu encountered an incredible proximity, peace, and presence with Jesus. And I believe that that is on offer to us as well. That in hard times and suffering, when we're on the canvas, we're on the floor, we get knocked down. But it's possible not to be knocked out. That's a reason for hope, isn't it? Jesus is with us. The second reason for hope is this. is that resurrection power is on display. Resurrection power is on display. In the here and now, the resurrection power of Jesus is at work. Let's get that. The resurrection power of Jesus is at work in this fragile jar of clay, in you, fragile jars of clay. Why was Paul able to be so resilient? Well, it was Jesus. I mean, that's a classic Sunday school answer to any question, isn't it? Jesus. But you know what? For Paul, it really was all about Jesus. For Paul, the resurrection of Jesus was like a megaphone cranked up high, broadcasting to the world that God is bigger than suffering, bigger than death, bigger than sin. And incredibly, that gets lived out, shared in our lives in our response to hard times. The empty grave dwarfs all the pain and suffering we will ever go through. The empty grave dwarfs the pain and suffering we will ever go through. With a promise that one day every wrong will be made right. Jesus promises to make all things new. Resurrection power is about restoration and renewal. Resurrection power is at work. It's an unstoppable force. Let's look at what the text highlights for us. If you look at verses uh, 10 and 11 for a moment. 
It's clear there that Paul had the tightest of attachments with Jesus, the tightest of attachments, a sense of being one with him. Now, like, if you look at other, Paul, other, other letters of Paul, he, he really makes that clear, doesn't he? Like, he's just sharing in Christ's suffering. For him, that was, just, that was just what he was just hanging on to, sharing in Christ's suffering. And if 2020 and 2021 has taught us anything, it's got to be this. Hold everything lightly but Jesus. Hold everything lightly but Jesus. Paul believed and lived in light of the unstoppable power of Jesus, even if outwardly it didn't make any sense or look like it. For Paul, he saw that his suffering was a way for others to see Jesus, to encounter Jesus. It's like completely missional for Paul. The pains and the chains were actually gains for the gospel. The pains and the chains were actually gains for the gospel. And you know, this is often how God works and still does. That's the story of the early church, the story of the contemporary persecuted church today. Persecution and suffering is often the motor for the gospel. Persecution and suffering is often the motor for the gospel. Let's trust that actually this season of challenge and hardship that we've been going through with COVID, maybe, who knows, it's going to be the motor for the gospel to see God's kingdom come in Amersham, Buckinghamshire, and beyond, because it's resurrection power that is at work in these times. Every year, I've said at Open Doors, we produce this world watch list, ranking the most costly places to follow Jesus. There's no list like it. We've been producing it for about 29 years. It's increasingly grown uh, traction with po po politicians, parliamentarians, the UK government. And quite simply, the Open Doors research shows that persecution has reached unprecedented levels. There's a global shrinkage in the freedom space to be a Christian. And for the first time since the list began, and like I say, we've been doing it for a long, long time, all top 50 countries show high levels of persecution. This list, this map, it shows the scale of persecution. It shows the level of suffering and injustice in our world today against the body of Christ, against those who are brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian here today. It's sobering and it can be grim. But I also want to suggest to you today that it's a list of hope because it shows to me that there are Christians who are willing to live and die for Jesus. That, that in, in what seems to be darkness and difficulty and danger... Courage is born against all the odds. Grace reigns over suffering. Light is breaking through the darkness. And friends, resurrection power is truly on display in some of the darkest places, most hostile places on earth today. And God invites us to be at work in that, to partner, to pray, and stand alongside brothers and sisters who bravely defying persecution and daring to follow Jesus in the context of extreme persecution. And I'd love to suggest too, and I hope you're discovering this today too, that as we connect with the persecuted church, they help to bring scripture alive and they help to help us to encounter the God of the persecuted, who is our God, and just reminds us that actually, yes, the resurrection power of Jesus is fully at work and is completely unstoppable. I'd love to tell you about Mishtaba. He's from Iran. Iran is number eight on the Open Doors World Watch list, but it's also a place in the world where actually the church is growing very rapidly. He was arrested because he was a worshiper of Jesus and he led a secret house church. He was in prison for over three years, spent many times in solitary confinement, moments of being blindfolded, handcuffed, tortured for his faith. While he was in prison, in the darkness of prison, God 
was very much at work. But it took Mishtabur a while to see that. Mishtabur remembers God speaking to him, and he says this. I remember God saying, you're in prison now. It's not about you, it's about me. Look around yourself. And as Mishtabur looked around the prison cells, he saw inmates who deserved to be there. They were, they were hard and seasoned criminals. But they were broken people. And then Mushtaba says this, I saw the doors, the huge gates of the prison, the big locks on the doors and how secure it is. You know, no one can enter the prison and just start to evangelize. And this is when God spoke to me again and said this, look, I took you through these doors, these gates, here to speak to people about Jesus. And then Mushtaba, his eyes were awakened to the incredible opportunity that God had placed before him for resurrection power to be at work in a place that seemed seemingly impossible. And so he began to talk to other prisoners about Jesus. He lived it and he shared it. And I love this in part of his story. Mr. Bustak struck up a friendship with um, an imam, a Muslim leader that, who came to the prison every day. And so Mishtabur plucked up the courage to ask this imam if he would smuggle a Bible into the prison. Now, the imam at first was like, well, that's a bit impossible. It's easier for me to smuggle in drugs to the prison rather than a Bible. But anyway, he obviously was quite impressed by Mushtabur and respected him. And so what he did was he began to smuggle in portions of an English Bible into the prison. And gradually over time, they collected a whole complete Bible. And Mushtabur, with a fellow believer in prison, would actually just write out on scraps of paper, verses of scripture, and they would get smuggled around the prison. And it just led to more people coming to faith. I love that, that an imam was helping the resurrection power of Jesus to be at work in an Iranian prison. But this is what Mushtaba says. I can work in God's kingdom wherever God places me. It doesn't matter if it's in prison or out of prison. Because persecution will take the gospel to the places where nothing else can. Persecution will take the gospel to the places where nothing else can. Resurrection power is on display. On display in Iran, and it's going to be on display, and it is on display right here in this place and in your community and beyond. Let's look at verse 16 for a moment. Here Paul says that the resurrection power of Jesus is at work daily, I love that. Notice the present tense. We are being renewed day by day. It's a continuous work. It's a shaping us. It's a maturing process that happens in our lives. And this is where you need to place your hope. Whatever happens in life, whatever circumstances might come our way to floor us, to take us out, we've always got to hold on to this, and it's hard sometimes, that the inner you is more important than the outer you. Spiritual growth and character in God's view is more important than our short-term comfort and happiness. It doesn't quite fit with our, our culture, does it? And we live in this tension as Christians that the way of Jesus tells us that hardship, suffering, pushes us to persevere. And perseverance and endurance pushes for depth, pushes for depth. It's why Paul wrote those famous words in Romans 5, 4, rejoice in suffering. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Resurrection power is at work. Now, the third reason for hope, and I've saved the best to last, okay, is this, is that the future outweighs the present. The future outweighs the present. If you're a Christian here today watching online, the future outweighs the present. Now, imagine 
today that I had some scales with me, a bit like the ones Lady Justice holds. And uh, this side, we place all that we go through in this life, maybe present hardships, struggles, suffering, whatever it is, the losses, the disappointments, they go here. And this side is the future if you're a Christian, if you love the Lord Jesus. And this is essentially what Paul does. Later on in 2 Corinthians, he, he lists in chapter 11, he lists his suffering. He names it, like it's quite a list. He's in prison frequently. He's been flogged, beaten with lashes and rods, come within inches of losing his life. He's been stoned, shipwrecked like numerous times, in constant danger, hunted, on the run, despised, hated, gone without sleep and food, been naked and cold. Like he must have borne the scars on his body by this point. What would you add to the scales today, right now? Maybe just take a moment. What would you add? All that takes us out, all that knocks us down, floors us is here. But friends, I've got to remind you, because the Bible reminds me, Paul reminds me, and the stories of Christians around the world persecuted for following Jesus remind me time and time again. So the scales tip towards the future if you're a Christian. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Life on earth is horrible at times. Some days it can feel like you're dying. And you know, that's how Paul felt. We sometimes place him up there, don't we, as this super saint, this, this absolutely amazing Christian. And obviously he really was sold out for Jesus. But he must have felt it at times, just the pain and the anguish. But you know what? The future, eternity is always in view for Paul. He's always looking forward. Verse 16 and 17, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. And bear in mind, by this stage, Paul was aging. He was an old man. Suffering had taken its toll on his body. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You read that and you think, Paul, are you a little bit crazy? Are you out of your mind? Like, he's saying everything that he's gone through, those shipwrecks, the, 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 the persecutions, the lashes, it's just it's like fluff. It's like a mere trifle compared to the life that is to come. We're made for more, aren't we? We're actually made for eternity. I'd love to tell you about Sop. Sop lives in a village tucked between jagged mountains and paddy fields in the northernmost part of Laos, very close to the Chinese border. Growing up, Sop only knew about Buddhism. He was clueless about Jesus. And then a few years ago, he stumbled upon an old man listening to a radio, and it was tuned to a Thai Christian radio station. It piqued Sop's curiosity. And then every night for the next few weeks, Sop would go and listen with the old man, finding out more and more about Jesus, more and more until he actually gave his life to Jesus and became a Christian. When his village discovered what he had done, they declared him a traitor. They were livid, and they beat him up badly, but that was just the beginning of persecution for Sop. When the village chief heard about this, he issued an ultimatum. If you don't stop worshipping your God, you'll go to jail or leave the village. You'll go to jail or leave the village. Sop refused. His pigs were poisoned. His rice farm was set on fire. His children were discriminated against and isolated in school. And finally, the family had to leave the village. All that they had known, they were, they were forced to leave. With all Sop went through, do you know what? He refused to stop sharing the gospel and even began hosting worship gatherings in his home. 
He received training from Open Doors to teach others to read and write. And guess what? This enabled Sop to actually reach out to his former community, even the very people that had persecuted him. Incredible. He said these words that you see on the screen here. I'm always reminded that if people try to kill me for my faith, the Bible says not to be afraid. They can kill my body, but not my soul. If they want to kill me, I've no problem with it, for I know where I'm going after. Very much echoing Paul there. Eternity is in scope for a Christian like Sop. You know, life for the Christian is not so much about the here and now. And I know we all get so caught up in the present. I know I do. But imagine the best day you've ever had. It probably was in 2019 or before that, because we can't really count the last year or so. But imagine the best day you've ever had and multiply that a million times over. And it won't even come close to what eternity with Jesus is going to be like. It's like the best day ever on repeat. The best day ever on repeat. And you know what? It's the happily ever after you were made for. It's the happily ever after that we've been longing for. And if you don't know Jesus and you're watching this or here in the building and you don't know Jesus, I just really want to encourage you to, to take that step to, to, to just say yes to Jesus and discover the truth of it yourself. That actually that hole in your life, the shape, the, the shape that's you know, meant to be filled by Jesus is on offer to you today. It's what you were made for. So Paul writes, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Verse 18 there in that chapter, of chapter 4 and 2 Corinthians, has a sense of a measured gaze, a focus. It's almost like looking through a telescope, looking, longing, looking up, looking forward. The scales really are tipped in favor of the future if you're a Christian. The future really does outweigh the present. So fix your gaze on Jesus. Fix your gaze on the future. Look up and hold on. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You know, throughout 2021... I know I need to hold on to the truth of those words. It's likely you do too. And I know for sure that Christians around the world, like Panina, like Sop, the 340 million brothers and sisters around the world living in extreme persecution do desperately. Perhaps we could just take a moment to pause. Maybe Tom and the guys, you want to come back up. I'd love to just pray for us, if that's okay. And then, also I'd love you to maybe take this as an opportunity to respond in prayer for our brothers and sisters around the world. And uh, on screen, actually, um, there's a QR code on one of the slides. And if you do have a mobile phone, either take a picture of that um, or scan the QR code if you're watching from home or if you can scan it in here, that's fine. So put it on camera mode, point it on that QR code on screen, and it'll take you to a, a web page on the Open Doors website where you can post a prayer for a persecuted Christian like Mushtaba uh, or any others that you've been you know, inspired to pray for today. It's also a place where you can stay connected, where you can receive updates, emails, a monthly email from Open Doors to, 
to stay connected and to be, be nudged, really, reminded to take action and be involved and make a difference for brothers and sisters around the world. So they're not forgot, forgotten. They're not alone. And also, I can really tell you, there'll be stories of courageous faith that come in your inbox to inspire you in your walk with Jesus and help you navigate following Jesus in times like that. So do check out that page and connect. Stay connected. So let's pray. Yeah, Father God, I just thank you that you're a God who speaks. You speak through your word. You speak through the testimony of, of brothers and sisters around the world. You speak here. Your, your voice is perhaps speaking to some of us right now, just rem- reminding us of who you are and that there is hope. There is hope with you. Then, and hope has a name. Is a person, Jesus. And we just thank you for the reality of being able to know Jesus. And perhaps there's some of you today, you needed a reminder um, that Jesus is with you or, or, or is available to you in the, in the, in the face of, of, of hard, hard times, in the fire, in the storm. And Hebrews 13, 5 came to mind. Those words there where God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And if that's you today, I just want you to feel um, encouragement, a fresh encouragement, just a reminder that you are so loved. God is the God who sees, Genesis 16 reminds us. He sees you. It's possible for you not to be completely knocked out. There's still hope in your situation. So we pray into your situation, pray for hope. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us always. You'll never leave us or forsake us. Maybe there are some here today that just needed to be reminded afresh of the, of the power of Jesus, the resurrection power of Jesus that is at work. It's not just on Easter Sunday that we remember that, but it's every day and we thank you that, God, you're in the process of renewal and restoration. And maybe, maybe there's someone watching today or in the building today who just needs to be reminded that God's in the process of, of rebuilding, renewal, that this life, your present life, you know, whatever has been going on isn't going to define you or shape you, but there's a future, there's a hope in the here and now and in the life to come. So we just pray for that breath of life to come in. And anyone watching who isn't a Christian, we just pray that you'd encounter the resurrection power of Jesus. It conquered the sin, it's conquered sin and the grave and desperately wants to be at work in your life to release you from any chains that you might have been tied to. Thank you that in Jesus there's freedom, there's life, an invitation to life and life in all its fullness. And maybe for some of us, we just needed that reminder that this life isn't it, that we were made for more. Thank you for those words in Revelation where we're reminded that one day every, every tear will be wiped away. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering, thank you that we get a taste of that, a glimpse of that in the here and now because of a relationship with you. So Holy Spirit, would you just really um, be at work in our midst. Just give us reasons to hope and to hold on to you no matter what. So thank you for your encouragement. Thank you that you're with us. You really are God with us. 
And Lord, what we've prayed for ourselves, we want to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. We want to pray for Panina and all the, all the women who carry such a story of suffering and grief. And God, we just pray that you would continue to rebuild her life. We speak hope, dignity into her life, purpose, meaning, provision. And we pray for a believer like Sop, living in quite a forgotten part of the world. And we just pray that you'd be building your church in places like Laos. You'd be building your church in Iranian prison cells, in North Korean prison camps. And thank you, Lord, that our prayers make a difference. They really do. And we just pray that as we pray right now, that someone somewhere, brother or sister, would just feel a, a refreshing experience that didn't encounter you because of our prayers. So we thank you for their example. We thank you for their testimony. Thank you that they keep going and they show us what resilience and perseverance looks like. And we thank you above all for Jesus, that it's you, Jesus, that makes a difference in our lives and in their lives. And thank you that it's Jesus that makes us family. Amen. respond and worship if feel free to, to stand to sit whatever you feel uh, you want to do found in your name the power to say with only a whisper mountain shake Jesus our hope and strength Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.